welcome everyone to another fabulous episode of Malazan Podcast of the Fallen. Um, I am your one of the hosts, Matt. You're with Nate today. Who's finally feeling better, so here we are. Yep, I've been sick for the last couple of days, and Matt was busy, so we haven't recorded for over a week now. I know, stupid school. It's driving me nuts right now. Because it's not like the good kind of busy. You're like, wow, I'm feeling productive. It's the bad kind of busy. The stupid busy work. Yeah, well, like my, I have a math test on Tuesday, and he just told us today. He's like, oh yeah, so you know the next unit. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna add that to your test as well on Monday. And I was like, you're get we're learning something brand new like the day before the test essentially, and there's a homework assignment every day this week on top of a project and review. So I'm like, oh great, this guy's this guy's a bit nuts. That's really fun. That is why I have not gone back to school. It's just this class. Every other class is normal. But yeah. Um, also a side note, because I was sick and busy over the weekend, our episode did not come out this week until Tuesday, which is the night that we're recording this, but I got that edited oh, nice. and uploaded today. I don't think there's anything else. I don't think so either. We just read what was it chapter eleven and twelve this week? Just eleven and twelve this week kind of splitting book three up into into two weeks just because yeah i mean uh, it was good i liked yeah. it so i can go ahead and jump us in cool chapter 11 Culp is trying to find a way to transport the group on the salando back to their world as he accesses his warren a giant undead dragon flies overhead and he is struck with an idea he tears open a rent in his Mayanus Warren, and the ship comes through along with the ocean. With the help of the undead dragon, he uses illusions to seal it back up. As they ride in the dragon's wake, it takes them into a warren of fire. Bowden protects Felicin, and they go over the side, ending up back on land in Seven Cities. It's revealed that Bowden is a Talon, the original covert organization of the Empire started by Dancer, which has since been decimated by the Claw, and he was sent by Tavor to protect Felicin. She wasn't supposed to stay in Skull Cup long, but Bowden thought that she liked it there. She tells Bowden to leave, and he does, and Heboric, Culp, and Felicin flee the whirlwind. Fiddler and Mapo discuss Shaikh's death, Absalar's memories, Pust's plan, and the path of hands. Iskarl Pust wants Absalar to take the role of Shaikh, and it's revealed that Servant is her father. He has walked out into the desert to lure Absalar out there as well. Mappa reflects on his bag of holding and the people that he stuffed inside it over the years. Ikariam asks him what finding his memories will do to him, and Mappo does not really answer him. Kalam observes the rebellion camp with rows of crucified children in front, and he hates that he is powerless to do anything. He returns to the family and uses Quickben's shaved knuckle, which transports them into the Imperial Warren. Lostara Yil is about to follow when Pearl appears, a claw. He will accompany her. Apt took all the children off their crosses to be healed. Shadowthrone heals the child grasping her claw and gives it one eye. He disappears and Apt and the child enter the warren. That was a pretty cool chapter. All right, let's start out with the Salanda crew and everything that happens to them. That threw me for a loop. I was a little confused reading that, not going to lie. Makes sense. I figured that you would have some questions. Like that's that summary helped explain some of it because uh, I understood the part about the dragon and I understood the fire and all that, but it like I was, I was like, how they get through that's what confused me, but now that makes sense. Okay, yeah, so Culp is just accessing his Warren, which is the Warren of Shadow, uh, trying to find the group of way back to their world, and he thinks about the fact that there's like a universal law that to transport from Warren to Warren, you have to go from land to land, air to air, water to water. Mm-hmm. And they're on water, but he can't find any water in his realm. And um, he decides, you know what? He's struck with an idea. He's going to tear a hole in his Warren from the Warren where they're currently at into his shadow Warren. And so the ship can come through on the waves of the ocean that come through as well. Gotcha. That makes sense. Because he figures that once they're inside his warren that he controls, he can easily take the group from land in his warren to land in, in their world. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but somehow he, he underestimates what tearing a hole in an ocean will do. And get cooked. Yep. So he starts trying to use illusion to seal up the rent in his warren once they're into 
uh, Mayonis, and he's not powerful enough. So the giant undead dragon that flew overhead is like, you know what? This is a, probably a bad thing. I'll help. So then the dragon seals it up. Yeah. Okay. The dragon's an undead dragon. That's yep. a Jagoot, is what I gathered. Uh, no. Um, or is a bone caster? He- Heberic mentions later in their sections, I think in the next chapter, that it was a oh, Talonimass. Oh, Talonimass. Okay, yeah. That makes that makes sense. So everyone else on the ship died, unfortunately, is what I noticed. Yep. I was like, man, they'll never get to tell those tavern stories. <laughs> Just add it to the list of characters that were gone way before you thought they'd be. I know. I was like, they're like, well, where's the other dudes? Oh, they probably died in the fire. I was like, they weren't right next to you? I'm confused. So annoyed. Once again, I was like, why Why do you got to remove them? We're just getting to like them. <laughs> they're a great comic relief, and now they're gone. Well, are you so sure that they're dead? As far as I know, yeah. I won't say anything else. But the way that was described, yeah. I mean, they could be lost. Who knows? But I w- it was interesting to see how they got out, though, because I was wondering how they'd get out. Warrens yep. still make no sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> Once you just accept that this is what is and this is how Warrens are without. Well, like, you know, I feel like there's like a basic structure like to them, but maybe maybe there's just never a legitimate explanation. Um, There is. If you don't mind me telling you when we will get something. Oh, where is it at? There's a decent explanation of Warrens in book five. I have to wait till next year. Goodness. But you can pick up on a lot of the information before that. Yeah. You'll I get you'll get so. more understanding just by being exposed to it, but you won't get like the exposition block until yeah. then. It's just like there's not there there hasn't been I'm starting to understand more of the why people get confused by the series, but there hasn't been the like the exposition dump on Warrens. But it's like yep. For me, it's like I kind of try to think about be like, oh, how would you get out? And like, I would try to think about it. I'm like, I've, I have no clue. Like, I don't know what the rules are of the warrants. Mm-hmm. But but when you describe the air, land, sea stuff, I was like, OK, that makes sense. You have to be in the same kind of area ish, same environment to go between them. Yep. And that's something that uh, we only get because Culp thinks about that like law as he's trying to figure out a way to get them. Yeah. To safety. Jeez. There's Brandon uh, Sanderson to come explain this for me. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I don't think Brandon Sanderson and Malazan would mix very well. Oh, they definitely wouldn't. Um, but complicated stuff aside, what did you think about a gigantic undead dragon appearing? I'm not gonna lie, I was just kind of like, Yeah, it's there. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> it happened. Cause like you you showed me the meme like I think it was last week of Animander Rake. With the dragon thing, the dragon meme. Oh, yeah. He's like, he has a big sword and he turns into a dragon or whatever as you get to the end of the book. So when that happened, I was like, oh, okay, we got another dragon. It's undead. I was like, yeah. this is pretty cool. But like being in a warren, I kind of expected it. Like in this is the elder, one of the elder warrens. Yeah, they're in the elder warren of shadow. Yeah. So I was kind of just like, this fits, I feel like, to see like a, a dragon or something like that be roaming around they seemed confused because they're like we this is an old dragon or something and then they're like oh it's undead and i was like yeah it fits to me at least i don't know yeah and colt feels it coming and he he knows of only two beings that it could be with a presence like that and he thinks well anamander rake is on Ginnabacchus. yep and osirk disappeared like a century ago but it wasn't one of them no which I thought was a cool note. That kind of that was like, I I mean, so dragons. Most dragons are soul taken, then, right? Uh, or all of the ones that we've seen are soul taken. Yes. Oh, okay, because when they he talked about them. Oh I was wait, like, no, we've seen a full blooded, and there, lots of people in the series call them a lint, which I think is a name for them in D and D or something like that. I'm totally ignorant, but they're called Elaine. We've seen one full-blooded Elaine, and it was Solana. She was the red dragon that fought, raced at the oh. end of Gardens of the Moon. Gotcha. She died? I don't remember. She did not die, no. She got in, she got like injured in Rake's. Like, yeah, she and Rake's like 
beat each other up pretty bad. But she doesn't turn into... Nope, she's just a dragon. She's just a dragon, okay. I thought they were all that way. That's why, because when I was like, oh, it's probably just some person being a dragon roaming. But I mean, that makes sense. It's just probably a regular dragon or something like that, maybe. I don't know. Well, but then Haborik tells us that it's a oh, Talana Mass. It's a Talana Mass. But I mean, it could just be... I mean, it, it, I'm sure I'm terribly inaccurate, but the Talana Mass, they could have their own kind of dragons. Ooh, there you so, go. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the dragon takes them into a warren of fire. And I lo- some character makes a point like, I didn't expect it to go into a warren of fire. And it's like, well, it's a dragon. Of course. Like, why not? Um, See, I reading that, I thought it like the dragon attacked them for a moment. Oh, no, it just took them into a warren of heat and fire. This this book, I swear, sometimes challenges my reading level. Uh, but Bowden protects Felicin. They go over the side. Turns out Bowden wasn't really burned, but he looks tempered and his skin tone has changed. And uh, we finally learn who Bowden was. I remember you theorizing a ton about that because I just edited our episode where Felicin finds his tools. And I hmm. specifically pointed out, what do you think this amber talon that he has is? Oh, and I say he's an archaeologist yeah. or something. <laughs> I totally forgot about most of it. <laughs> so that's funny. If you have any question about the talons versus the claws, I try it. Bowden is a talon. I just gotta say, I was like kind of excited. I was like, oh, this is cool. He's a talon. I have no idea really what that is. Like they give some context, but still is like, this is pretty legit. This is cool. Mm-hmm. Bowden's awesome. And she's like, leave. And I'm like, no. And he's like, fine, I'm out of here. I was like, yep. why? I was like, Culp. I was like, we need him. Don't kick him out. Kick Fellison out. We don't need her. <laughs> yep. So but, uh, that that explains why Bowden stuck with her, because he was ordered to. By It was by her sister, right? Yeah. Interesting. So... That's why I thought he, was kind he of He was curious. not meant to stay in the slave camp for long, but Bowden thought she liked it there. And I'm like, you could have just kidnapped her. You don't seem to have much of a moral compass. This is true. But maybe he was like, I don't want to deal with her in that state. <laughs> yeah, but she wasn't supposed to be there for long. Yeah, I so the, the talent, from what I understand, they're dancer, but they are off record. Yeah, right? so the the Talons were like the original group of covert, like special ops that were created by Dancer. And then uh, Lassine, who was surly at the time, but being so original, she named her organization the Claw. And then the Talons were military operations and the Claw were internal, like gotcha. within the Empire doing covert ops and taking out troublesome nobles and stuff like that. And yeah. then when Lassine took the throne, the claws and the talons fought it out in a war and the claws won. Yeah. Now the towns are just kind of scattered the remaining. Yep. So there's a few like Bowden that just inherited it from their parents. I thought, but they, they weren't really well known. Were they the talon? Like they're more secretive than the claw. That's yeah, the bye bye guy. They might've been a little more secretive. Yeah. It's also been like a decade or maybe or so. a little more than that since the, since the talons were wiped out. Gotcha. Yeah, because I remember reading that. I was like, this is so cool. And then he just leaves. Then he leaves. And he's gone. He worst. I was like, come on. We lose the we lose the tavern boys. And now we lose Bowden. Now we're stuck with Fellison again. <laughs> you got Colt there now, though. Yeah, we got Colt, but he's Colt. He's not as interesting to me as the other dudes. Uh, am I sensing that you are losing interest in the Fellison storyline? Just a little, because, all right, I we've talked about this a lot, and like I yeah. totally understand her predicament, but at the same time, it's kind of like you just want to slap her in the face and be like, "Wake up, stop whining. We're trying to get out of this. Like you need to insult everyone. Like no one here hates you, type of thing." I think I think Culp kind of hates her. I don't blame him <laughs> with how buggy she's been, trying to sleep with all the soldiers. Yeah, and at one point, Colt even is like, Heberick, what if you and me just, like, leave her here and we go our own way? Yeah. I was like, like, I'm torn because I want to see more, but at the same time, she's kind of of bugging me now. 
And now that we lost someone that we learned so many cool things about already, just like, <laughs> I don't know if he'll be back, but I'm like, why did you have to go off into the sunset like that, dude? Please come back. The sun hasn't set yet. It's still daytime. There's still a storm. Book hasn't ended. Book hasn't ended. He can come back. Yeah. Um, I won't say any more, but I will say that I think you will gain some interest back. I, I'm sure I will. I think it's just kind of at a lull right now. Yeah, it, this is a bit of a lull in her storyline. So I think I think the middle of this book is a little weaker than the beginning. And I'll say the ending, but I won't say anything more about yeah. what's coming. I'm, I mean, so far, I felt fine about the middle. Like, I agree. It's been a little it's been a little slower, but it's had some good like slowness to build context to get some good character development in which i've liked like i think we see in the next chapter i talk a bit about but we see some really cool character development i think so and we also but. just get some epicness of going into different warrens and talani mass sealing a hole in the sky and stuff like that i know so oh but um, yeah once again talani mass just pop out of nowhere like we were talking about last time oh yeah yep except Talana this one's a dragon leave, and now there's a talani mass dragon everywhere so that's it's not till next chapter that we learn it's a talani mass but if anyone is listening to us chapter by chapter as they read the books i'm sorry we spoiled that for you but that's coming up in like 20 pages yeah we should we should uh, include a spoiler at the beginning hey spoiler <laughs> alert we go out of order a spoiler maybe, alert for all of them maybe i'll say that the next week. intro uh anyways anything else about fellison's section here not much else right here Oh, I thought this was kind of an interesting, before we move on, just Culp. Um, that was just kind of a fun note of, he was like, I'm just waiting for like some spark of something to figure out, <laughs> like how to get out of here. Because I thought, I thought that was interesting. I feel like that's how some stories are. But that That is a note that I did want to make. He's he's thinking at the beginning of a section that he's looking in his brain for some simple, elegant solution to get them out of there. Mm -hmm. And then the dragon appears and he's like, and then it says something like he was struck by an idea and what more it possessed elegance. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. Just, I think that's Erickson's short story writing showing through just connect within this one section, mm -hmm. having a cycle repeat itself. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty good. Let's see the next section. We have a discussion between Fiddler and Mappo um, all about Shaikh and Absalar's memories. Uh, we can just take that into the next section where it's revealed that Scarl Pust wants Absalar to take the role of Shaikh and that servant that he's had with him is her dad. That one caught me by the surprise, but it didn't. I was like, oh, that just makes so much sense. That's why there's a fishing boat in the middle of this I was cliff. Like, yep. I was like, this all adds up. I definitely did not put it together, but you can. There are people that have that I've listened to because at the beginning of Gardens of the Moon, Absalar mentions that her dad has one arm. Oh, I completely forgot about that one arm thing. Yep. I think she mentions it to Riga that her dad lost his arm in a battle. Because it, it's mentioned back again here. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, yeah, duh, of course. Yep. So what did you think about all of that? Um, it's a little fuzzy, the Mapo, um, Fiddler conversation, but they were just by themselves, like off in another room, right? Just chatting about things. Yeah, they were just in a room by themselves chatting. Is they, yeah, I think it's just interesting because they talk quite a bit about, um, like the Shaikh and how yeah. he's like, yeah, no, her memories are coming back rather quickly. And Mapo's like, nah, there's probably a reason to it all. Yeah. And Fiddler starts considering the possibility and being like, well, does she look anything like the original Shaikh? Not that I know of. <laughs> I, I saw her once from afar. They have black hair, but that's about it. Yeah. And it's just there. I, I didn't feel like there was much that happened here. Um, oh, it talked about the deck of dragons again, but it was carved into the ground. Oh, yeah. That was the room that uh, Mappo and Akarium found earlier, deeper in the temple. The one where they removed the stones to get to it and there were like trees, pillars mm, in it and that's the right. floor was carved with images and it had like scratch marks on it. So that's what he's talking about there. Because it, it mentions it's like the force is more elemental, more raw and primitive. So it's not like a, it's like an elder version of the deck. 
Yep. If it is indeed a deck, it's an elder version, not houses, but holds. Which is interesting. Well, I thought as well was kind of curious about this is he talks about um, Akarium because he's like, I know who Akarium is. Like he doesn't know him personally, but he's heard of him and stuff. Fiddler, he mentions it. So he's like, why? So you're just stopping him from getting his memories. And Mappo's like, yeah, essentially. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, Fiddler or... thinks about some of the rumors about Akarium that he's heard. Um, a Jagut blood wanderer around whom swirled like the blackest wake, rumors of devastation, appalling murders, genocide. And then Fiddler thinks about how the Akarium that I've met does not fit that. Not at all. Because we see earlier on, Akarium's like, he doesn't really want to fight. Yeah. Akarium's not really bloodthirsty. He doesn't fight unless he has to. So, it yeah, because reading that just made me have more questions like of Akarium. Because obviously he has this reputation amongst like more older beings in some cases, like the newer yeah. folk. I've heard of him. They're like, oh, yeah, he's a traveler. He's built things. He's knowledgeable, but he they don't know him too well as like the tyrant. But like all the older being stivers, soul taken, they they see him, they run. Yeah, they don't cross him. Yeah. But I thought I think it's interesting that Mappo's kind of there to not feels like he's trying he protects Akarium, but at the same time he's trying to protect him from himself or like knowing who he truly is yep it's a big conflict within him uh, i did also want to point out at the very beginning of this section before they really start talking fiddler in his mind compares quick ben and escarl plus to each other and how they just have plans within plans within plans oh yeah and there's a line here that i had never caught before Fiddler imagined peeling through them one by one, right down to thumbprint schemes all a world in devious patterns. And I was like, ah, thumbprints have whirls. Ah. <laughs> that is, that's pretty, that's well written, actually. Uh, they talk about the, how shapeshifting is older than the elder races, than like the four founding races oh, of the yeah. world. I was trying to remember what was the old thing they kept, they mentioned. That's right. Yeah, it was the shape shifting, and that how, oh, what was the detail? That was kind of discovered, and then there was like a fight to be the strongest shapeshifter or something. Yeah, the shapeshifters can't normally abide each other, mm-hmm. and they're lo- like they're lured to dominance, and so yeah, almost like raced in a way. They want to be tyrants, and so if one of them ascends, they would be in control of all other shapeshifters. Yeah. And Map was like, that'd be really bad. And Fiddler's like, okay, hold on. Are you trying to tell me that an empire of shapeshifters would be inherently worse than any other empire that exists? He's like, ah, you got a point. But it would be worse just because it'd be so powerful. True. So. There's a line in there, something like cruelty finds a way or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and at the very end of the section, Mappo's like, crap. And Mappo says, what is it? The lantern went out a while ago. We're in the dark. I just, I like that because it's it's like met- they're metaphorically in the dark. Oh, that makes sense. I was I was a little confused because like you just noticed you don't have any light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it was more hitting at a metaphor there than maybe actual literally being that way. But who knows? Yeah be taken either way but isn't isn't this where Absalar takes off though yeah Absalar has left after her father her father is walking into the desert to lure her out there too yep and so because crocus comes in quickly he's like hey she's gone yeah he, he like starts strangling pust yep but they defend pust that was interesting maybe it's not this part but uh fiddler notices a crocus practicing knife techniques or like fighting oh was that in the, this section maybe not maybe I it's totally later that. when they're leaving because it was like right before they left they saw him like you just saw him like before they had everything packed oh i totally skipped that section i totally skipped that <laughs> skipped in the intro or the reading summary in the reading summary and when i was actually reading oh funny See here, Nate. They leave. They pack up and leave. They leave, and Crocus yeah. has been practicing with his knives. Yeah, because when he said it, I was like, did I really get that that confused? 
No. Um, I, yeah. I also love Mappa's bag of holding. Oh, yeah. It's, he's just, like... it's like totally a D&D thing where he's got a bag that's way bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I I definitely thought of Hermione's bag in book seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I th- Is it called a bag of holding in Harry Potter, too? No, she just used a... I think it was an undetectable extension charm or something, or like I don't remember. It was like kind of illegal by the way it sounded, but I mean, she's Hermione. Nothing's illegal for her, I guess. Um, but no, I thought that was funny because he mentions it. He's like the witch is uh this shouldn't have lasted as long as it did because he pulls out this like random bone or something. Yeah, like a bone no one, weapon. No one knows where it's from. They just found it. They're like, yeah, we don't know where this bone is from. It was just here. And they gave it some spells, and he's like, well, maybe the spells in this thing have been feeding the warren inside the bag, or maybe it's those people that I've stuffed in there over the years. Yeah. No, his... uh. Oh, that was the other thing. I was like, wait, you got a warren in there? What is this? Yeah. Um, Warren is used colloquially in the Malazan world to refer to any like magical uh, okay, okay. space, I think. That makes sense, because I was like, please don't tell me. Is it like it, the like a less cool version of sword. Rake sword. <laughs> yeah. If you push people into this bag with a warren inside it, they will have to dance in a meadow of flowers forever. And if they stop, then their souls are lost forever. And they feed the bag. So it stays alive longer. <laughs> uh, I guess I should ask, what do you think about Absalar being prepped to take up the role of Shaikh? Uh, I feel bad for her. She just wanted to go home and see her dad. <laughs> now she's chasing him down in the desert storm to maybe become the new whatever Shaikh is supposed to be, which uh, kind of I was a little confused, not going to lie. Is it the, is the idea that Shadow Throne then will have control of the whirlwind? Yeah. So that because his his ploy is to take back the empire. by what I'm understanding. Yeah. From what it, people have put together. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't like Lysine taken nope. over and, and so, so if, if he's in control of the apocalypse then that's a great way to get rid of the malazan empire on the continent because he so then he's gonna be starting his new empire there you go like uh and instead of malazan be the shadow and, yeah mabu even makes the comment i don't think i like the idea of an empire under a god well we learned from kroll the mortals run everything now so i don't know who knows who knows but this is a new god that was just came from a mortal, so that could be bad news. Could go either way. All right, uh, and then we've got Kalam, uh, feeling helpless as he sees just rows of crucified Malazan children. Oh, poor Kalam. Uh, he hates that he can't do anything, which I think is actually kind of admirable in Kalam. That his greatest fear isn't death or torture or anything like that. It's when he sees bad stuff happening and he can't do anything to change it i know because he he looks out and he like you see it was a kind of a grotesque description mm-hmm. the the initial one he read like you described i don't have the page marked but it talks about like no nose no eyes things like that moths eating at him as he slowly dies which i'm like that's just terrible it's awful. especially especially being just a bunch of kids i was like i mean i'm only 22 but the older i get the younger the younger I see how kids are <laughs> and just how like not knowing they are of things. And so I'm like, I think the older I'd get reading this part over and over again, like as years go on, I'd be like, wow, that's truly horrible. But like reading it now, like I feel like I understand it more than I would have like five or six years ago because it's uh, it's pretty sad to see this. Yeah. And Kalam wishes that he could walk up to the boy that he's looking at. And whisper lies. Your death won't be forgotten. The truth of your precious life, which you still refuse to surrender because it's all you have. You are not alone, child. Lies. It's just sad. Um, what do you think about uh, Kalam thinking about killing Lucina and wanting to guide someone new to the throne? And he and Quick Ben have an idea of who that should be. Who was it? He doesn't say, but they have someone in mind. I was going to say, I don't remember him mentioning who they would put in one arm. Hey, I mean, he seems like a good a good leader. Definitely not Whiskey Jack. I could seem like as a counselor, but not the, not the emperor. You don't think so? 
Oh, at least not right now. I don't, I like I I don't feel like I know enough of Whiskey Jack, even as That's much fair. as we read. I imagine we'll get to know him more, but as of right now, I'm like, he's a I see Dujek being the guy more. Uh, Kalam also thinks that he doesn't think his sanity would survive peace. Oh yeah, I thought that was an interesting part because he's like the the war. It's kind of like a mental armor to get through it. Yeah, you have to put warmer. You have to put armor around your brain while you're in war, and it works so long as you're still in war. In war. But once you leave, yeah. who knows? My, yeah, just reminds me of all the stories like of just like I don't know, just general fantasy stories of like what is it like when you're not in a battle? They're like, what do we do? We've been fighting all of our lives. Like, what do we do in this moment of peace? And so, yeah. Well, it brings to mind a line from Hamilton, which I don't know how many people will get the reference, but in the musical Hamilton, at one point, Washington says, I can't remember the exact words, but it's something like war is easy, young man, living is harder. Oh, yeah, I've heard that one. It's a good line. So doing what needs to be done after the war is over can sometimes be harder than the actual war. Yeah, because I mean, it's like. In war, you have a clear-cut purpose, I think. I think that's what draws some people to join the military or something. It's like you have a purpose. You know what you're doing. You're training for something. Like you're preparing for something at least. Like yeah. you have a, you kind of have a goal. You know there's a surety of like what you're doing is worthwhile. But then after that, you're just like, well, what do I do? Like especially when you're someone like Kalam who's trained like a claw, like a master assassin. And he did it at an older age by the sound of it. And he has a notable reputation. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's kind of like, what? Is he just going to be the village baker now? (laughs) (laughs) Cooking up, cooking up the sourdough bread every morning. He can be the butcher. Oh, he could be the, yeah, that's true. He can be the butcher. But it's like, yeah, it's like, what do you do? Because it, you may, he may not feel as fulfilled for something. And then as well, not being in war, having your mind constantly occupied by that, being desensitized to death to go home and then be back around living with yeah. death being a less common thing. You're probably like, Oh, this, uh, I don't know. I feel like it'd be tough. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Kalam also uses quick bends. He thinks of it as his shaved knuckle in the hole, which yeah. he was supposed to use in the palace at Aaron or in the palace at Unta when he's there ready to kill the Empress, but it takes him into the Imperial Warren. He's like, there's no way to get around this army. Yep. So they're in the Imperial War now, and the gate stays open for far longer than Quickman probably thought it would. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. The whole Warren situation. I'm like, Quickman, why can you not be in this book right now? I just want to have, like, can we just have, like, <laughs> a deep, long history of who you are, real quick? He can't be in this book because he's all the way over on Genabacus. That's true. Uh, but Lostara Yo comes up, the Red Blade. She's the one that killed Shaikh. And if you remember Kalam, the entire time since he's left Shaikh has been like, I feel like there's someone following me. It was her. her. And then a claw just randomly appears out of the warren and is like, Come on, I'll join you. You're looking for you're looking for Kalam? Let's go. Is yep. his name Pearl? This is Pearl, right? His name is Pearl. We haven't met him before. No, we have not. We have met a character named Pearl before, though, because Pearl was the demon that was killed by Anamanda Rake in Gardens of the Moon. Okay, that's I'm like, Pearl sounds so familiar, but this isn't the same Pearl, is it? Yeah, that trips up a lot of people because people in fantasy books are never allowed to have the same name for some reason. But I think Steven Erickson has said this is just a mistake, and he totally forgot that he named that demon Pearl. And when he was coming up with this character, he was like, oh, Pearl's a good name. I mean, I think it's totally fine. I think it like adds like to makes it feel more real. Yeah, I mean, even in the last chapter, Kalam was like, "There's plenty of Kalams." Exactly. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. I just was like, I sure we haven't met him, but Pearl sounds familiar. But that yep. that adds up. So specifically, it wasn't the demon that Rake kills at the end of the book. It was the one that Quickben and Kalam release to help them escape from the ambush, like midway through the book. Oh, the one that they release and then Rake kills it when they're like a block away. He gets in the fight with it. Yeah. Uh, And then we've got Apt the demon. She's taken all of the children down off of their crosses and she wants Shadowthorn to heal them all. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. 
I love that we get the one-sided conversation with the demon in Shadow Throne, and we're just hearing like grunts. The demon grunted and clicked something, and Shadow Throne's like, "Well, it's not my fault. Like, I know Kalam wanted to save them, but I can't save everybody. Come on." It, remi- it reminds me of like in Star Wars when like they're talking to R two, and you're like, "How do you? Where does it? Did you go to like droid speaking school? <laughs> How does it you understand it?" So he went. He took the demon uh, elective, demon speak elective. Well, he's also the god of shadow, and this is a shadow demon. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if it like it just clicks automatically when he ascended. Like I understand them now. Maybe. Or if it's like he gets a handbook on how to be the shadow ascendant. It's like here you go. Here's the language for your demons. Here's how you operate your warren. This is your duties and tasks. You know, There's like a line a, in- there's a line in that conversation with him and the demon that reminds me of the Princess Bride. Oh. Um, let's see. You've grown ambitious since you were but a demon lord's concubine. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that just reminded me of... Oh, what's the... Is it Vassini? What he says to Fezzik? Like, should I send you back to where I found you? Unemployed in Greenland? <laughs> like, should I send you back to where I found you? A concubine for the demon lord? Who's the who's the demon lord again? We haven't met him, right? No, we have not. But she was just a concubine to the Aptorian yeah. lord. Gotcha. Okay. Because then you mentioned that I was like, wait a second, we haven't met the demon lord yet. Yep. I mean, That's I think funny. it's kind of a nice gesture that the demon is like, "Can you heal all of these kids, please?" The Kalam, who I was assigned to protect, he wanted them safe. So, can you save them? Yeah. But uh, I. I think it's interesting how she's like, um, yeah, oh yeah, I thought it was funny. I see long-term benefits in your precipitous act, demon. Lucky for you. Because <laughs> he, he's like, an army of servants, servants abandoned by the empire. He's like, ah, perfect. Yeah, this will work for me. There will be ambivalence in their souls when I heal them. This will yep. actually be great. Because at first he's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with 1,300 kids? And I was like, I thought the same thing as the demon. I was like, look, they're your citizens now, right? They'll look up to you and be like, you saved us. What do you want us to do? Yeah, especially the one kid that she has healed with one eye instead of two. The eyes like, are love's prism. I'm like, that's a little messed up. I thought that was so funny. What manner of eyes do you wish him to have, my dear? Because he didn't have eyes and he didn't have a, a nose or something. Yeah. He was like, uh, forced healing demands a price. The flesh recovers while the mind rides with the memory of pain. Then he's like, so what do you want? She's like, the one eye. He's like, the eyes are love's prisms, are they now? Yep. Well, the one that he heals with the one eye is the same specific kid that Kalam was looking at. Ah, that's right. Yeah. Forgot about that. She just wanted a kid. Demons, demons, demons are people too, right? Isn't could we say that people too i don't know hashtag demon lives matter ah there you go hashtag demon lives matter (laughs) there you go (laughs) i i think that's all i have to say about chapter 11 yeah now it was a good chapter get some yeah got some good info i think i like chapter 12 more though chapter 12 was good chapter 12 Dewerker is depressed, reflecting on the train's lack of water and the constant attacks. Lowell appears to tell Dewerker that he'll be joining a raiding party against the Tithansi war leader and drops one of the absolute best quotes of the entire series. Sappers cause a distraction to draw the enemy away as Dewerker and the others use a tunnel to get into the enemy camp. Dewerker notices claw weapons in the battle. In the debriefing, it's revealed that an earth spirit latched onto a piece of the destroyed Sempk god and possessed a follower. Coltane commands the warlocks to draw water from the ground for the train. Felicin, Haboric, and Kolp reach a series of caves and climb up, in, climb up into a city of the First Empire. Haboric's ghost hands seem to be solid now, and he has visions of what happened to the city. The citizens of the First Empire unleashed a ritual that caused thousands to become soul-taken and diverse, and the Talani mass came in to intervene. Kalam's group sees signs of company in the Imperial War, and, and Kalam realizes that the ash they and Kalam realizes that the ash they're walking through is the burned remains of millions of people. They settle down to camp for the night, and it's revealed that Manala's husband was abusing her, and Kaneb likely killed him. 
Fiddler's group struggles through the whirlwind after Absalar along the path of hands in the midst of shapeshifters and Shaikh's warriors. Pearl and Lostara Yil enter, exit the Imperial Warren to help the Seventh Army in a skirmish. They almost die to the Semk spirit, but Apt appears and tears it to pieces. They fall back into the Imperial Warren and Lostara passes out. Only a couple things happened. Just a few. Um, right. I have to start out. Is this the quote? This is the quote. This may be the same one I was thinking of. Children are dying. That's a succinct summary of humankind, I'd say. Who needs tomes and volumes of history? Children are dying. The injustices of the world hiding those three words. Quote me, Dorker, and your work's done. <laughs> and he says, I'll quote you, soldier. Be sure of that. Yep. He's like, you're um, right. I would say this is probably the second most quoted thing from the entire series. I am not surprised. As soon as I read that, I like actually put a little mark next to it. I was like, Nate doesn't bring this up. I got to bring this up. Oh, I was going to bring it up. This I is... was like, this is and obviously just an amazing quote. Yeah, um, it's a depressing quote. Oh, for sure. But it, yeah. the more you think about it, the more it kind of hits home that it those three words kind of work for all of history. No, it's not. It's not exactly pretty. I, I think we mentioned it like we were talking about at work the other day. Oh, we we're joining about Columbus Day because we're like, yeah, we learned as Columbus, like Columbus came to America. And it's like in middle school, Columbus came to the Bahamas or like, you know, central <laughs> like the islands there. And then it's like high school's like Columbus wasn't a great person, but his his journey did help, you know, put us on the map, I guess. And then college, it's like you only want to know what he was like. He was terrible. Yeah, he was a murderous, rapist piece of crap. <laughs> Yeah, I was like that. That's the true history there. We don't sugarcoat it after high school. Yeah, um, we we won't get. I even hesitate to bring this up. We won't get political on this podcast. But yeah. children are dying feels kind of extra poignant because in the last few days, the whole Israel Palestine thing oh. has blown up, and there's a ton of oh, civilians of dying. Yeah, and no matter what side you're on, like killing civilians is not okay and children oh no so yeah that that was the first this quote because i had read it like the day before that was the first thing that popped up when i saw some of those reports yeah it's like it's it's sad but true and i mean you think of ukraine as well the past bit i remember watching we kind of stopped watching it as much just because it was kind of really depressing to watch i mean but like see like not CNN, 60 Minutes, they did a lot of coverage of Ukraine and they showed like footage and images and stuff and just like mass burial sites and just terrible things. And I was like, dang, this is this is not good. I mean, to put it very uneloquently, it's not good. <laughs> there there's always the quote as well of I mean, Lincoln Park has a quote in one of their songs that that uh when it's the when the rich wage war, it's the poor who die. Mm, yep. Um, or when the mighty and powerful wage wars the innocents that suffer there's a whole ton of quotes that kind of cover this that children should never be the ones that suffer exactly because I mean you talking about that brings up another bit that I want to mention that I thought was really like a I put very well it says uh, we bow to our scold face patron and return for all this spilled blood Coltane, Shaik, and Lacine will all send a stand alongside the shrouded one like they like speaking of like hood being the shrouded one, but like kind of to like to add to that it was like after all this fighting, these refugees dying and all these soldiers dying and all these skirmishes and stuff, the main people are get, that keep surviving all this that people keep looking to that are still on top is Lucine, Shaikh, and Coltane. You know, it's like the leadership. Yep, which I think is interesting. Yeah, it's just it's really depressing to read, and there's the comments as well about how the dogs are like tearing something up and it's like you don't want to know what they're tearing up there's been rumors that the dogs have been digging up children's graves like i said you don't want to know yeah as well like isn't the rich people or something like i mentioned like i think that was more just like an insane rumor i don't think the nobles are actually eating children yeah i mean when i read it though i was like i would have put it past some of them <laughs> like nobility in human history and fictional history awful some of them you get both sides of the coin you get some of the greatest people imaginable and you get some of the worst so i mean yep. 
and we've already seen the characters, some of them. What about our servants? They took them. Who's going to draw our baths? Who's going to cook us food? <laughs> Who's going to put my bed together? Who's going to tuck me in at night and read me my bedtime story? Yeah, I don't you'd know. I think they'd be past but that by now, but doesn't appear so. Not at all. But yeah, no, I, I really appreciated Dewerker and his perspective and just how he's written this whole story, like this whole scene, just because like he really kind of puts that weighty like because he's been out of combat for a while. So it's like a, a veteran of battles, now historian. It's just cool to see his character and how he describes and feels through this. Like they've been on this march and he just keeps there's all these surprise attacks and stuff. So you just kind of feel bad because he's just kind of numb now. Like this is this is terrible. This is truly That's bad. exactly what I was going to say. He's totally numb. Uh, he says at one point, like, well, List and I had water at the beginning of the day. And Lowell says, yeah, that was 11 hours ago. And Dirk yeah. is like, what? I've just kind of been staring into space and writing. Yeah, he's been just lost mentally. And then when. When they're getting ready to go on their mission later, he's sitting around the fire and he realizes that he's totally unable to relax. Yeah. So everyone's just, just totally on edge. Yeah. It's that's what I really liked about this story. It very much shows real people, I feel like, mm-hmm. and how they would respond. Yeah, in so many not just fantasy but fictional series, like the hero kills so many people and goes through so much stuff and doesn't seem to be super affected. Like it doesn't phase him as much, really. Like I like I know we talk about him a lot, but Sanderson, like he he does talk about it, like has some very good parts about it, but it doesn't feel like it's to the same level as this. I won't spoil too much, but like in Mistborn, Vin struggles with killing for a little bit and then just decides to embrace being a mass murderer. Essentially, yeah. She just like this is who I'm called to be. Same thing in like uh what was it the Wax and Wayne? Oh yeah. Where he's like Well, I guess I'm the god's murderer now. Yeah, I mean, he still doesn't like it, unlike Vin. No, he he, but he does, imp- like go with it, as much as he doesn't want to be it. But they are, or Duerker is chosen to go on a mission into the enemy camp to take out the war leader, the new one that's been causing them a lot of trouble, um, and they have to go through a tunnel in the earth. And I hate this part because I'm quite claustrophobic. And so crawling through a tunnel on my hands oh. and knees that barely has enough room for me to move sounds like a nightmare. Through puddles of water as well, where you feel like you're going to That drown. are rising yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. I count me on as well. I remember reading this. I was like, yeah, I feel you do, Worker. I want to go in. And they like poke his foot with the sword. It feels, yeah, he feels it goes through his shoe. And he's like, I guess I'll go. He's like, I don't want to go though. <laughs> yeah. But if he doesn't go, then the ones behind him are going to drown. Yep. It's like, this is terrible. Uh, yeah, so they uh, they get the wrong guy, basically. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a failure because lots of the original squad that went in died. But Duke is forced to use his sword and he does pretty okay for himself. He does they get managed... a sword chop in the butt. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's painful. But they have magic healing, so not to worry too much. Didn't one of the mages die, though? I thought. Yeah, one of the warlocks did die. Um, okay. not like the main ones that we've met so far, but yeah. one of the younger looking ones, just like his flesh was just shredded away. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty gnarly. Cause didn't they, did they, you, they used explosives here, didn't they? Um, so the squad that Durek is with didn't, but they had sappers causing, like causing mm. a distraction to the side to draw eyes away from them. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the Marine that, like is with Duiker. It's like that was that was pretty good. You like you handled your sword pretty well. I couldn't see how you took out that last one though. And Duiker's like, yeah, because it wasn't me, because there was a freaking throwing star from a claw in his neck. Like a claw? What claw? I didn't see a claw. And Coltane didn't know about the claw either, but I think we know where that came from. We know, because we are the Almighty perspective on this story. Yes, we know so much more than all of the characters in this series. So much more. Yeah, you weren't confused at all reading Colt's perspective earlier where he knows so much more about the Warrens. It's like, I know about as much as Warrens as you do. I could be a cadre mage. Ah, there you go. Bippity-boppity-boo, take a fireball to the face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Avada Kedavra would work in Malazan. No. 
Just a little side note, but I saw a meme. It was a Harry Potter one the other day. I don't remember where. You may you may have seen us or someone else may have, but it was like, I know 2,000 different spells. We can have our, you know, uh, wizards, wizards duel or whatever. And then they and then it, the next little comic below is just like both of them about a cadaver. <laughs> well, or it's like the honest trailer says about the original Pokemon game. Like you can like fine tune your team to have the perfect balance of attacks and then get stumped by that one kid that caught Mewtwo. Exactly. Uh, but Coltane also orders the Warlocks to bring up groundwater for the entire train. They were almost out. Yep. And now they've got enough water. Thanks to Dewworker. He's like, wait, there was water back there. And they're like, what? What? Yeah, they made a tunnel and you forced me to crawl through a tunnel filling with water. There was water back there. I thought it was interesting as well. Like Coltane's kind of shock when he's like, there's a claw. Like they, mm-hmm. they all kind of seem a little shaken up and a little worried. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense. Like Coltane, because if you're Coltane, that either means that someone has sent a claw to your army by Warren, which is weird because you've obviously had no communication with the empire while you've been trudging Running. along, or mm-hmm. there's been a claw hiding in your army the entire time, which is yeah. also concerning. This makes me wonder. We have Warrens. We have the yes. Imperial Warren. Why have they not used a Warren to run away with this massive refugee camp? Because like it, making a Warren gate that big is really, really difficult. But I mean, still, it's like you can't send a messenger to the Empire like, hey, we are on the run. This is happening. Well, but also... Remember, Kalam thinks when they enter the Warren that he's shocked that they're in the Imperial Warren because he thought it only extended for a few hundred leagues around Inta. Mm. So everyone in Coltane's army probably also thinks that they're outside of the range of the Imperial Warren. Which I thought was an interesting note. I thought Warrens went everywhere. So that's what threw me for another loop. I was like, there's limits to these? You will keep getting layers and layers. Since when? But then it makes sense because you got a culp. He's like the shadow worn. There's not a drop of water in there. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But then yeah. the Warrens, I guess, are next to each other because you got Quick Ben in book one, unless it's the Guardians of the Moonism or whatever they're called, where he like walks up to and opens it up and walks in. Yeah, you've got the great questions of life. What is love? What happens after we die? And what are Warrens? Exactly. I'm going to make a t-shirt. What are Warrens? Because uh, like the, I didn't think of it till now, but I was like, why haven't you tried to just use a few different Warrens? Like, let's open up a few. Well, also get remember... Get some people through. Because you got the super powerful kid wizard. Also remember, all of the Warrens right now are infested with shapeshifters. You're right. Man, this series game, this idea is getting pretty shut down pretty good. <laughs> I like it, though. It means there's no plot hole here. So that's good. That's good. This was well thought out. It's not like in a, it's not like with Lord of the Rings. Why don't you just use the Eagles? <laughs> Is isn't there like a canonical reason for why they I, couldn't use the Eagles? I haven't heard of one. Granted, I haven't looked into it, but I've always thought it's like the Eagles weren't on the best of terms with men and hobbits. They only really liked Gandalf. And even then they were still kind of like iffy, is from my understanding. But I mean, I don't know. It could be Tyler Rung. or there could have been like Sauron could have seen the eagles come in and shot him out of the sky. I don't well, know. Then you have Gandalf kidnap Frodo, ride an eagle to Mordor, and just throw Frodo into the mountain. But see, that's not how this works. The Hobbit has to go through this horribly treacherous journey and lose a finger, and then not only that, his buddy's the one that's going to basically throw it in. Yeah, that that's the thing about Lord of the Rings too. No one life is worth. Like, uh, no, your your life is worth the same as, like, all of Middle-earth. They value life, at least. I mean, I'll give them that, for the most part. For the most part. Yeah, they, they killed off, what's his bucket? The One Son? I don't remember the names. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Anything else about Dorker, Coltane, and the army? Uh, Nope, not that I can think of. Perfect. We're back to Felicin. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Heberick's hands seem to be solid now. And he's having visions of what happened to this city of the First Empire. Yep. Uh, so what did you think about all of this? I, this desert 
keeps confusing me, but the chapter intros just add more to the mystery. Oh, the little excerpts or whatever they're called. I never remember. Uh, epigraph. The epigraphs. What was the epigraph this time? That I don't remember exactly, but they've talked about like the mystery of the desert. The desert's made up of jagged bones or something. I don't know, or Talana Moss bones, just oh, things yeah. like that, like random little tidbits that can be a little more poetic or like myth- mythical in some cases, I think. But I don't know. I, it just makes this desert add more to the mystery of it, I guess. Yeah. So basically, at one time, humans had an empire that they called the first empire. Um, but, but this is where it was. The citizens of the city unleashed a ritual that turned a bunch of people unwillingly into shapeshifters. Which I think is interesting. Some of them got turned to stone and the Talani mass came to intervene and Felison finds like a melted Talani mass that's been like fused to the rock or something. They're just everywhere. I thought, yeah, I thought the city was pretty cool because it's just like there's just this really cool Arab mystery with everything. Yeah. But yeah, that as well I thought was interesting that they found like that do occur as well. Like he has his hands back and they're able to climb up that thing. Oh, Haboric. Haboric, yeah. I mean, my name's mixed up. But yeah, Haboric was able to climb up, use his hands. But I think it's cool that he's like kind of able to reveal everything. Like, oh yeah, soul taken. Divers. Yeah. But it was, it was only a limited group that were trying to do it, but it affected everyone. Yeah. I thought it was funny though, Felison, uh used his raincoat to climb up the... Oh yeah, climbs up the pillar. Climb up the pillar and she like kind of injures himself and both of them get up without any issues. And she's like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> Why did I do that? I was like, serves you right. And Boric's like, okay, I'm blind. I'm blind right now. So you'll have to position me. And Culpa's like, okay, I'm up at the entrance. And Boric just throws him up through the hole. Yeah. And then Culp goes to open the door later and busts his nose. Yep. Or Culp beat up here. Well, I love that he's talking, and I imagine he sounds something like, I think I broke my nose. And the oh, yeah. is like, well, based on that new accent that you have, I'd say so. She's a sassy one. But yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, but Culp's just getting beat up, man, since he left Dewicker. <laughs> Goes into a warren, encounters two different Talana Mass, goes through a bunch of fire, all this other stuff. Stuck with a blind priest and a sassy teenage girl. Yeah. Is so Dewaker, I, I was a little confused because they meant you mentioned and it mentions he's blind. Is it just like a temporary thing or a legitimate thing? Uh so he mentions at one point that he can't see with his normal eyes right now, and so he's like mm. he's got other sight. I'm gonna be totally honest, I still don't fully get why he's blind right now, but he is. Weird. Oh, speaking of Felison's other, like, her zingers, when she's getting ready to climb the pillar, she tells Colt, give me your belt. <laughs> and he's like, hell of a time to want to see me undressed. We could all use with the laugh. And he's like, why don't you use your shirt? She's like, you're not getting to look at me for free. <laughs> yeah, no one gets to see my breasts. Not for free, at least. I was like, oh, geez, come on, Felison. It's time to move on past that lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, move on from your deeply seated trauma. It's like you didn't go through anything terrible at all. It's not like you're hanging on to your bitchiness just because it's all that you have left. I know. It's like, come on, grow up. Just grow out of it. All right. Uh, anything else about that section? Mm, there wasn't much else. Uh, let's see. We've got Kalam's group. What did you think of the uh, reveal that the Ash and the Imperial Warren is the remains of a whole bunch of people? I was kind of confused. I was like, where did they come from? What happened? Nobody knows. <laughs> so that's fun. It It's it's epic, I think, to ha- just have this other dimension of the ashes of millions of people. But it's also like, holy crap, what caused that? I know. Well, because they mentioned as well, he's like, it's kind of like just dusk all the time. Like, there's no true day or night, so it's just kind of dusk. So it kind of reminds me of Mistborn Book 1 a bit, where it's just kind of, like, <laughs> dark all the time and just kind of ugly. And I'm like, this just sounds like a miserable place to be. Yeah. Kineb also mentions that, like, it just gets in your inside your respiratory system and everyone's snoring because of it. And 
Yeah. Your throat gets scratchy and it's uncomfortable to lie down on and all that. Yeah. And Kalam's there. He he knows how to get out, but he's unable to because he yep. can't. Because Pearl mentions later on, he's like, he's not able to focus. He can't get himself out of here. I do. I did like this bit because it, we got to see um Kaneb, right? Is his name? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was cool to see him finally alert and awake enough. And then he was just, he just got to chat with Kalam for a bit. Got a little, learn a little bit more about him and um, his brother-in-law or whatever it was. Yeah. Manala's husband. So it would have been his brother-in-law. Yeah. And how just terrible the guy he was. Yep. And he brings up like, it's one thing if you beat up your wife and it takes a month for her to heal. But if you've got squad healers in debt to you, then you can just do it again tomorrow. Yep, you just do it every morning. And <laughs> Kinev was like going to confront him about it right as the rebellion started. And Claude oh, was yeah. like, and what happened to him? Uh, you've come to a closed door. <laughs> and Claude's like, oh, I think I know what happened. He did not make it out. No. Good. Yeah, I was like, because I, I read that and I was like, that's terrible. We're just seeing the worst of everyone. <laughs> yep. This book. Yep. We got uh kids that are dying. We got a guy beating up his wife. But uh I thought it was interesting to see Kalam like I wish uh, Hood would spit him back out so he could so, so I, I could, could beat him kill up. Kill him again. Yeah, cuz he's like he died too quick. Which is which is true. When he mentions that I was like isn't it interesting like the people that kind of do that stuff? Their deaths always seem to be really quick to me. I don't know, like in stories and stuff, like when they always talk about someone like, I need to get my revenge. It's like they kind of die. Like their death is really quick. I think it's almost like people making an excuse because a lot of times trying to get revenge, like when you get it, there's, I mean, I haven't ever like sought out deep revenge on anyone but all the time in stories when they finally kill the person that killed their father or whatever, lots of times it feels like they're described as having like an emptiness inside them. Yeah. And I almost feel like them saying uh, he died too quickly is like their way of trying to say it. Like, I didn't do enough. I should have tortured yeah. them before I killed them, which is also kind of a horrible thing to say. As I, I was going to mention that because always, I've always thought like, I feel like they would like to get their true revenge. It's like they would want to kind of give them a taste of their own medicine as unfortunate as that is. And so the person that kind of like in this case, the husband that abused the wife kind of got a swift end. Right. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. But I feel like that was Kenev's only option as well. Yeah. Which I mean, I can see why Kalam in the situation he's in is like, that's unfortunate. <laughs> These last two sections, I don't really have a ton to say about Fiddler and Crocus and Mappo and Akarium are just chasing after Absalar through the desert. Yep. And then Pearl and Lostara Yil come out and assist the assist the Malazans in their skirmish. Yeah. I think it's interesting Pearl can kind of jump in and out of the Warren as he wa- as he wants to. Yeah, well he's a claw and they use the Imperial Warren a lot. Like we saw Topper can mm-hmm. like communicate with Piran a lot with it in Gardens of the Moon. Yeah, I I just think because I mean I feel like Taxus Warren you usually have to be like a, a mage of some sort of wizard is like how I understand because they're like oh the Warren gives them the power so I just think it's kind of cool and interesting to see this member like a claw who's usually like a non magic kind of person from what I've understood be able to just kind of hop in and out of this magic portal. So, but uh, he and Lostara are about to die to that some spirit thing, and Apt appears out of the warren and just tears it to shreds. Way to go, Apt! So cool. And then it has the it has her child with the one eye yep. and freaks both of them out. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're like, like, "What the heck? What is that?" I thought that was so funny because I, I I'm like I bet that would catch anyone. I could imagine just being like. I mean, in a world of demons and magic, to see a human with one eye, that's definitely a rarity then. I was just about to point out, I feel like both of them are more shocked by the kid with the one eye than the demon. I mean, after everything they've been through, it's like, <laughs> that's it's pretty funny that it's the kid with one eye that, that surprises them the most. Yeah. And this is our second 
episode, I think, in Dead House Gates where we end on someone passing out. Because uh, the the episode I just edited with uh, chapter six and seven ends with Fiddler passing out from his pain. And oh, this yeah. ends with Lostara Yil passing out. Because they get back to the old Warren and they're out. Passed yeah. out. Cold. So that was yep. a hectic fight. Was a hectic fight. But now we know. We know more than Dewicker. <laughs> I feel honored. You know more than the Imperial historian. Exactly. The historians don't know anything to begin with. <laughs> well, as Doctor Who tells us, time is time is not a linear thing of cause and effect. It's actually more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. It's true. I think that actually applies to history more than we realize because there's so much of history that we still like don't understand. I actually saw a post the other day of a conspiracy theory of people saying there's a conspiracy theory out there of people that say that there's a period of like between like 250 and 470 AD or something that actually doesn't exist and that we should actually be living in the year like 1796 or something. And the top comment on the post about that conspiracy theory was this would make a great Christopher Nolan movie. I, I I would watch that. That'd be a good movie. I assume he could do great things with that. <laughs> but it's just history is malleable and the victor decides what history is and all of that stuff. So, well, I mean, you got the Jews with their calendar. We're there in what year 6000. You got us in our year 2000. And so it's like every yeah. new day, it's like, you. here's one new fact about this person you didn't know. I'm like, there's several okay. different new years throughout the course of the year. Yeah. What what I thought what I think is interesting about history, it's like you dedicate your one life to study someone else's life. Yeah. It's like I'm a historian of Lincoln. It's like what what more could you study? What more could you add to that? He was a dude. He was a human. Like just another guy like you and me. He had a great impact on history, of course. But like what more can you pull from that? Well that's what I think. I mean, as you've seen with the Warrens, you can always add one new little thing. It's true. Then it just gets too complicated and weird. Then you get breathing dragons and fire and flooded warrens and ash warrens and shadow warrens and birthday cake warrens. And <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Will it keep getting more complicated? We will see. I imagine so. Uh, but we'll be back next week. We're covering chapters 13 and 14, just finishing up book three of Dead House Gates. And then I still need to decide how we're going to divvy up book four because there's like 11 chapters in book four is that the last book yeah every yeah. malazan book from now on except for the 10th book only has four books within it but, yeah we are we're over halfway but for some reason yeah dead house gates has 11 chapters in book four wow um but i think that's all that we have how's that done 